Welcome back to Elevate the Podcast, where we have candid conversations about life, agriculture, and rural entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Natalie Kavorik. I do think people, the problem is people take the label grass-fed and turn it into a nutritional claim, into a animal husbandry claim. They turn it into a lot of different claims. And I'm Tara Vanderdeusen. We have people dumping milk in the grocery stores. We got tomato soup thrown, mashed potatoes. We got people super gluing their heads to things. Like we just have every protest that has, they are just doing it all right. Welcome back to the podcast. I am so excited, Natalie, for this episode. I can't even tell you. I have so many things to say today, so get ready. It's going to be a ride. I know we were just saying that we've got to make sure we pay attention to time because we do have a lot of, I guess, I don't know, headlines, topics, things to cover, so we can't get too sidetracked today. Yeah, so on that note, we're just going to kick it off with my hot take for today. I sent you this in an email, but you haven't checked your emails yet, so I'm 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 sad to bring you this news. Uh, but the New York Times did a hit piece on Dr. Freight Mitloner, our friend, our good advocate. I have can't say him? I'm shocked. No, I have yeah. not. But I cannot say I'm shocked. Me neither. I honestly feel like he was one of those ones that was like a holdout. Like that, I was like, I can't believe no one's gone after him yet. It'll be fun to see his rebuttal because he doesn't um, like sweep things under the rug. He will blatantly usually like reshare the article that, you know, dogged him and then give his reasons why, you know, he disagrees or what they said wrong. So it'll be interesting to see his, I always like to see his rebuttals. He already commented, like he did what did not do the whole like no comment thing. Like he gave comments on the article and I thought they were really well thought out. I would love to know. I would wish I could like be a fly on the wall in his emails that like saw what all he said and what they decided to pick out. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, you're um, you're on Twitter. So which is where I feel like mm-hmm. yeah, Frank hangs out. So you have to keep an eye on what the conversation is. I'm, I might even hop on Twitter because I'm just curious. I got a few DMs already about it. They're like, did you see this hit piece? I'm like. Yes, I did. Um, what did New York Times say? Um, that he's paid off by lobbying groups Uh-oh. and like. So no I just um, okay. Well, here we are going on a tangent already because I actually just <laughs> <I'm> sorry. <laughs> no, I mean this is something that I just struggle with. I actually posted it to my Twitter. It did not pop off because I have very few Twitter followers, but. I, every time I do an advocacy piece, I undoubtedly get a comment that says something along the lines of, well, why would we trust you? You're a farmer, you're a rancher. Of course, you're going to say that it's your life, you know, whatever after that. Um, so Twitter or not Twitter, Google says though, that agriculture is one of the most trusted industries. So I, I know the loudest voice isn't the right voice. Um, but it's just really frustrating that just because you're in the industry doesn't mean you're paid off by the industry or you're going to like, you don't stand on science or truth just because you're in the certain industry. It's just very frustrating for me. Yeah, they were. And they also like, were like, um, ag groups spend more than $150 million lobbying. And I'm like, I feel like that's like not that much money, actually. It was like, that's more than construction. And it was like, yeah, but we're talking about construction. Ooh. Yeah. yeah, they were like, that's more than construction pays for lobbying. I was like, what is construction lobbying about exactly? I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure construction has their whole own thing in permitting. But I, I don't know. I felt like it was kind of a weak argument, to be honest. I was, um, it was not, I mean, they definitely tried to hit hard, but I just, I personally felt like I saw through it. So 
it would be interesting. I'm trying to pull up right now, like the top industries that lobby to see where that amount falls in. Oh, I'm um, sure it's got to be pharmaceuticals, right? I mean, it has to be. Yeah, Those pharmaceuticals switches. right here. <laughs> pharmaceuticals, 357.85 million. Electronics, 180 million. Insurance, 150 million. Business associations, 121. Where, what was Oh, that's ag funny. Number? It doesn't have ag on there as that. So oil and gas, hospitals, health services. Yeah, it's not listing on this one. And this is the leading lobbying industries in 2021 by total lobbying spending. Well, it wouldn't be the first time or the second time or even the third time we've had a New York Times opinion piece not give the full story. (laughs) So that's my hot take for the day. All right. Well, diving into we have a huge meet is the moment this week to cover. Oh, huge meet is the moment. We both found it and like independently where I was like, hey, have you seen this? And you're like, I just saw that. So this girl named uh, her Instagram handle is yoga underscore girl. She's obviously a public figure, Rachel Brathen. She is most well known for, as her title alludes to, um, she's built a really large community around yoga. I think also like astrology. Um, And she was vegan for a very long time. Being a vegan. Like that was a huge part of her platform. She has 2 million followers just for reference. Yes. And she has two podcasts that also I imagine have a wide ripple effect of the people they reach. And she just announced she's been non-vegan for quite some time. So switched over, but she said in her podcast episode all about it, that she had waited a while to talk about it because of the, the backlash she was dreading getting and just a whole bunch of, I don't know, I guess what it, what it what entails of coming out of the closet with being <laughs> coming out of the closet. no longer vegan. She she did a new episode just in the last like maybe 24 hours. I listened to it this morning that was a little bit more information on like what it's been like to come out and how horrible people have been. And while I absolutely felt for her, I was also like, oh, now you know what it's like to share about dairy farming on social media. I get comments like that every single day. And I have a measly 40,000 followers. You have 2 million. Like I was just kind of like, and she had, I don't, the rebuttal one, like this post one is actually even more interesting because it's it's interesting to hear her thoughts on vegans and like how they approach these conversations and such. I mean, the comments are rough on her page. They're also Mm -hmm. crazy. I saw one, I have one pulled up that a person was like, I don't care how detrimental it is to my health. Like I agree. My health is failing. Like I will stay vegan. And I was like, that doesn't even make sense. It was fascinating to listen to her podcast episode talking about, it gave me so many things to think about that I had not. I feel like it is a very, Obviously, not all vegans are the same. Their mindsets are not going to be the same. Their thoughts and approach to that lifestyle is not going to be the same. But I did feel like I don't – I mean, I have a few friends that, you know, animal-based proteins are not high on their list. I I don't think they relate to the title or title themselves vegan or vegetarian. vegetarian. Um, But I have a few in my life, but obviously not a majority. So I do feel like it exposed me to thought process I have not, you know, normally come across or have conversation around. Yeah. So this, um, I found like one of the things that was more positive is actually a lot of vegan people were like, after seeing the comments left by extremist vegans, 
I don't even want that title anymore. Like I'm going to choose not to eat meat and dairy for whatever reasons, their reasons. But they were like, the vegan title has come with such negativity. And she shares a lot about that too in this new podcast that like the new podcast episode that it's vegans. Her whole point on this new one is we've never changed anyone's mind by going and bashing them online. So why do Mm -hmm. vegan extremists continue to take that approach? Um, I also have a couple of vegans in my life and I have heard them say they don't like the title of vegan because of all of the negativity around it. And that was just very apparent in her, in her comment section. There were good ones though. Like there was a lot of people that were like, I gave it up too. And like have had a similar experience to her. There were, I think the first couple I saw were actually rather large accounts, similar to hers, like in the millions of followers that said the same thing. Like, thank you for your bravery and sharing. I too have recently, you know, had to make a change in lifestyle for my health. And so I'm telling you, meat is having its moment. I actually found when I was researching this yoga girl, I Googled her because I wanted to see what came up. And there's this (laughs) vegan YouTube channel that was critiquing her and criticizing her. And the second video below that, that this other vegan YouTube channeler, I don't know who I guess likes to give vegan news is calling out a, there's a very large, um, I don't, uh, makeup girl on YouTube. She has over 8 million followers and she recently just did a video about her change in diet. So that's next on my list to watch about what she said, um, in her video. Cause I would be interested to, to see. Yeah, I w- I'm curious to follow this girl's journey. I started following her and I think so did you after this. Um, she is obviously still super negative about factory. Like she loves to use the word factory mm-hmm. farm now. And I'm like, okay, you have now in the last nine months had this amazing like revelation that maybe you didn't see the world as it actually is. And I want to be like, but maybe you needed like sit in those feelings a little more and realize that maybe like large scale agriculture is not the villain that you want it to be either. Like I don't, I would love to like have her out to a dairy and be like, because now she's like, I see the value in having eggs and dairy. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, but at the same time, it's not practical for every person in the world to not have eggs or have like chickens in their backyard and a cow in their backyard. So that means that somebody like you or I has to produce more food or enough food for more people. And so I'm like, let's, I don't know. I just wish I could have a conversation with her to deep well, dive that com like go into it. Give her it. time, Tara. She just <laughs> made like a 20 year. I think she said she started being vegan when she was 20 19. years. Yeah. So, and I do yeah. feel like well, that's why end, I want to follow her. Yeah. No, I followed her too. I, and I think it'll be interesting to see how she just shares about this. Cause she said, she alluded to before that she's like, I'm being very careful about how I sharing it. I was giving like bite-sized crumbs for you guys to digest and kind of let you know, some of you picked up on it. But at the end of her podcast, um, I feel like she had really good statements. Like she literally said sustainability portion of vegan isn't a reality. Like you said, she had – she like went to bat for agriculture in a sense. Obviously a not sense. the whole. Yes, which I thought bravo. You know, to have that ch- large of a mindset shift and then share it that publicly on that large of a platform, I did think kudos to her. She also recommended Sustainable Dishes book. The sacred cow at the very end for people to go read, um, which I loved her kind of sharing about how, what brought her through this journey and like made her realize that. So shout out to one of our favorite accounts, sustainable dish for having, Im- Im- having an impact. Not all superheroes wear capes. Yes. Very true. Uh, okay. Straight into industry news. Yeah, I think so. Let's do the big, big one first. 
and then we'll do our second headliner. So kick us off with uh, what's been going on in the world of protesting. Oh my gosh. What hasn't been going on in the world of protesting? <laughs> we have people dumping milk in the grocery stores. We got tomato soup thrown, mashed potatoes. We got people super gluing their heads to things. Like we just have every protest that has, they are just doing it all right now. It feels Listen, like. if you're going to go to bat for the, you know, the health of the world, it's going to be extreme. Oh my gosh. I, I guess so. Uh, so yeah, so there's like so much going on. They, um, I guess the first one is like the protest around people throwing food on art. And I thought this was kind of, I don't know, counterintuitive that the one of the things that people was saying was people are starving. And I'm like, and yet you are throwing food on art. So I spent for, I went down a very large, my new rabbit hole is no longer on TikTok. It is now on Twitter. I can go down <laughs> rabbit holes of comments on Twitter, my Lord. So I, I came across the a Van Gogh one, I think, on Twitter. Yeah, Van Gogh. Oh, the mashed potato had, one. The mashed potato one. Yeah. I don't know if it was Van Gogh. And I scrolled that forever because I was like, why are they choosing art? And so there was a statement that said someone was like, how do you, how do you feel looking at something so beautiful being destroyed by mankind? And so I think that was the reason why they were going yes. this. Because I also was like, what is this art food connection and so I think it, that is their, I don't know, metaphor for their activism is that they're I also saw beautiful it, things and ruining them. I thought I saw that it also had to do with the price of things. Like if we took like the Van Gogh, so the Van Gogh had um, tomato soup like splashed on it, whatever the price of it, like if we had taken that money and put it towards something like, and this is just one single piece of art in a single mm -hmm. museum. And so it was just like, we care so much for our art, but do you care about like our planet? I guess. Um, I don't know. I feel like they were, they're just so misguided. I don't, I couldn't. So the first uh, piece I guess I saw was the milk episode where there yeah. were three very young, I would say teenagers, maybe, maybe, you know, younger years of college, but they looked, they looked very young pouring out gallons and gallons of milk in the grocery store aisle. And then in the video I saw, you couldn't even really hear what they're saying, but it was, you know, something about the betterment of the, the earth. And, and then it there was said one that, there that just had a sign that said plant-based future. Yeah. The milk, um, one of them said that dairy and meat cause um, right. more greenhouse gas emissions than all of fossil fuels, like transportation, yeah. which is absolutely not even close yeah. to true. So back to the original article that ruined everything for agriculture. The, um, I always forget the name of it. Climate I don't like to spread it. I don't want people to look it up. <laughs> Livestock's long shadow from the U.S. Yes. I, but I was, I actually got sent that article quite a bit from people in my community and I couldn't even make a, I know you made a reel about it. I couldn't even, I couldn't watch it. I couldn't talk about it. I was so angry watching these kids. Like how dare they? It made me so, I was so triggered watching it. I just couldn't believe the audacity they had to, I, I'm not saying you cannot stand up for your beliefs, even if they're wrong. Everyone has a entitled to their own belief and you get to. So if you want to advocate for a plant-based future, by all means, you get to. Yes. But the way they did it made me so darn frustrated. Yeah, it was – I made a reel about it, and I don't love my reel because I was just feeling 
so many different things about it. I feel like I could not get it into like a 10 second clip, obviously. And, um, but I think what was really frustrating to me was just that there was grocery shoppers there trying to make purchases, do different things. And they couldn't even like do that. Um, you know, the amount of food that was wasted, obviously food waste. If we gave, if we changed our food waste, we would probably make a bigger impact on climate change than anything. Um, so then just adding to that, I'm like, yeah, do you know what the carbon like footprint of our food waste is? And then you just added to it by dumping milk on the ground. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. It's interesting to see if this will keep going. I mean, it's obviously, there's a lot of people in the comments section saying, cause they're like, what's the point? What is this doing, you know, to actually preserve the planet? And people are saying, well, they're, you know, people are talking about it, right? It's trending in the news. We've seen it on multiple social media platforms everywhere. It's been in large publications. So it'll be interesting to see if this is a continued trend or if the comment section, the voice of the comment section being like, this is absurd. How dare you? Cause I feel like the smallest voice was like, applause this is a good idea that I feel like the two loudest things going around are the rhetorics of like how could they this is insane why are you even doing this but also maybe talking a little bit about I don't just be interested to see what what food choice is next and what poor painting is next yeah I do think overall it's been a negative feedback like even from climate people climate activists that believe in like maybe the messaging have even been like this is not the way to go about it Obviously, so far, none of the paintings have been harmed because they all have protective glass over them. Um, So I feel like it will be interesting if somebody gets to a painting and they actually damage it. I think that I'm like, like right now, I think everyone's like so mad. Oh, my God. I would be so mad, too. But I so that's I, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out over the next few weeks. I do hate like part of me hates that we're even talking about it because it is giving them the platform that they were hoping for. But I just don't know that it is giving their messages ring as well received as they thought. Yeah, I screenshotted so many comments <laughs> when I went down my Twitter rabbit, rabbit hole. Uh, one of mine was, I love posts like this because everyone in the comment section is experts. Laugh out loud, thus explaining the real problem. I was like, hit the nail, hammer on the head with that one. The irony yeah. is that they're in polyester vests that are made wearing from oil. Um Plant-based that was the guy standing there one. wearing leather Adidas trainers. Can't blame him. The vegan ones that look totally different are really expensive. <laughs> There's just so many. I mean, you want to spend time and have different interesting head to the comments. I, you guys. The one about the milk, a lot of people were like, so did they ride their bicycles to the grocery mm-hmm. store to dump the milk? Because if they didn't, then you are like so hypocritical. Like if they drove in a car, then their entire protest is absolutely like null and void. Mm-hmm. So... Okay, next topic. Are we ready to dive into fake meat and everything that's going on with fake meat? There's a lot yes, happening. There is. Not all good either. It's kind of it's kind of a mixed bag there in the meat alternative world. So, so headlines. Uh, Tough times for plant-based meat. Companies that make faux burgers and other meat substitutes are laying off employees and staring down weak sales amid what Beyond Meat describes as ongoing softness. But um, so here's some stacks. Uh, facts beyond me announced a 19% workforce reduction this month. McDonald's shelved plans to introduce a McPlant burger. Uh, Brazil's JBS, which I thought this was interesting, is closing Plantera Foods. It's U.S. plant-based meat business and Canada's Maple A Leaf lot food. of plants are closing. Like yep. not then, JBS had one. Canada had one. Lots mm-hmm. of people. And Possible Foods laid off 6%. So obviously a trend of what would appear, like they said, you know, softness in the plant-based meat category. Yet... Oh, our favorite Beyond Meat. They just rolled out 
um, Beyond Steak on Monday, a splashy new product available at more than 5,000 Kroger and Walmart stores. So it's not actually steak. I mm-hmm. like deep dived this a little. It's just like little chunks of like mm-hmm. their fake steak bites. stuff. Steak bites. Steak bites. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is like interesting. They, they still have not gotten like a steak. And this they said was um, so to- Ugh, I cannot talk today. Taco Bell is rolling out there beyond carne asada like taco. And so it's like no surprise that this is rolling out in grocery stores because Beyond Meat has obviously been working on this Taco Bell product. And now they're rolling out in grocery stores as well. Another stat you didn't say that I thought was interesting is 10.5% drop in total annual sales of meat alternatives in the grocery store. And then Nestle actually had an interesting quote that um, while like the fake meat was a very strong consumer trend, it's just gotten like a little bit overly like mm-hmm. there was like a frenzy around it. And that's why Nestle's like we they haven't really put any money behind it because they are like we can kind of see the writing on the wall. Like this is not headed in a good direction. One of the things I thought interesting in the article was that they said vegetarians and vegans were never the intended customer for Beyond. They were products existed to cater to flexitarians, which I'm not entirely sure what that is. But I think it's interesting that they're trying to almost create a category for their product, which leads to then what everyone is saying, that the point of these companies are not to offer food choices for people. It is the big bucks behind it or what I believe, which is to, you know, end animal agriculture in its entirety. So they're trying to create this community for a product they already have because of the mission behind it. And I just wish more people were kind of aware of that. Yeah, I knew that I had seen that before that these products were never intended for vegans or vegetarians because there's some quotes in there like they don't want fake meat. Like that's not Mm -hmm. why they became vegans or vegetarians. Um, And so they are like after those people who are like, oh, is is animal ag like bad for the planet? And I'm not sure, but like I'll try something. I'll try a new food. And it's kind of like now some of the quotes and they were like, okay, so they've tried it and now they don't really like it. So they're not going to keep spending money on it, especially with the cost of your grocery bill right now. You're not exactly like, oh, let's experiment with this food. I don't even really like that much. So I don't know. Not good. They're just, they're but, very um, committed. You got to give it to Beyond Meat and Impossible. They'll go down with, they're the captain that's going down with the ship. Like they are not, <laughs> they're not getting off. They're riding this to the end. They're the Titanic. It'll be, I just. I, I was just about to say impossible. That come back from the stake. Impossible Foods is doubling down. They're hoping to yeah. launch their <laughs> fake filet mignon in the next couple months. I'm like, let's, let's just, what are we doing right now? But we should yeah. taste test it. Oh my gosh, I don't. Have you ever tasted? No, I haven't. I haven't Mm -hmm. either. I kind of want to just for, you know. I've had like the old fashioned like bean burger at some point at some restaurant. Like, you know, back in the day, that's I feel like what it was. Mm -hmm. Um, But that is not an impossible or beyond meat. I was actually thinking amid all of when I was listening to the Yoga Girls podcast and then reading these articles, I was thinking I have never even had um, wild game. I've literally only eaten meat. You've never had like elk? No. Or deer? I mean, venison? I've had jerky, but I've never had it in like steak form or hamburger form. I've had it all. I've never had a bean burger. I've never had a mushroom burger. Listen. I've had rattlesnake. I've had rabbit. I've had quail. I've had (laughs) elk. I've had. I'll try it all. You. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Send it on over. 
Which is funny because I'm actually kind of a picky eater, but I will like try anything once typically. Um, and then be like, man, not for me. The um, rattlesnake was <laughs> really not good. not a good idea. <laughs> Yeah. The rattlesnake was good. I would actually like eat rattlesnake again. Um, there's a really cool restaurant in Fort Worth that serves really like wild. I've had alligator. I've had a lot of foods. I really I've like had alligator. Food. You when know I went that. to New Orleans. You do. Oh, love there food. you go. So, yeah. um, but no, uh, plant-based burger is not high on my list of foods I'm gonna try. <laughs> I think we should try it next time we're together. I don't know. I'll let you go first. Okay. Okay. Are we, are we good with industry news? We feel good about our tangents on fake meat and ready to move know. on to teeth whiteners. Dear listener, how do you guys how do you guys feel about about it? Uh, yeah, seriously, I want to see some. Um, I feel like you guys are also good about sending in, um, replying to our Instagram stories and telling us what you think. But I, I definitely, this is your friendly reminder. Shoot us a DM about your thoughts on all this. It is really hard. Tara and I have this conversation a lot that all, all most all the other social media platforms are designed to give you immediate, you know, whether feedback. it's gratification and response or, you know, feedback in general. Usually, yeah. you know, the dopamine hits. Not podcasting. Podcasting is like you just take a mic and you sit in a room and you talk to yourself and then you have no idea if people like it or not, but you keep doing <laughs> it. That's what podcasting is. So anytime you guys do have feedback for us, whether it's positive or constructive criticism, we really do value your guys' opinion and would love to hear it because it's just not a lot of, there's not a lot of stuff that goes on on the other social platforms going on on podcasting. So we, we, we appreciate you guys, um, you know, making this a two-way street like we want it to be. And speaking of that two-way street, you guys, for worth the hype, have sent in that you wanted us to try the teeth whiteners. And so that is our worth the hype this week. What I saw some new good ones, too, um, of people wanting us to try some other ones. So first, I, sorry. First, the brand. Let's say the brand. The brand was yeah, that's Lu- what I want is to it Luminex with. or Luminu? I think it's Luminex. Okay. That's what I like to say too. So I'm glad we're on the same page, whether that's wrong or right. Luminex white strips. I have seen multiple influencers before you guys sent this in, which is probably why you guys sent it in. A lot of influencers share this as, I don't know, I guess their number one testing white strips. I've also seen, I, I doubled down and went forward to the toothpaste too. <laughs> oh my God. Um, yeah. So I've seen people love, say the toothpaste is their favorite toothpaste as well. Um, I beg to differ, which we can get to my opinion in a second, but Tara, why don't you share if you think it's worth the hype? Yeah. So I tested them out before my sister's wedding and I think I used three in a week. So I was pretty like committed to getting white teeth for my sister's wedding and (laughs) doing the mostest for the wedding. Tara over there. (laughs) Hello. I was the matron of honor. I was standing next to the bride. So I had to have white teeth. I did not think these were worth the hype at all. First of all, you got me the coconut flavor and I thought it tasted like lemon. Like I was like, why does this taste like lemon when it says coconut on the box? They should have said it tasted like lemon. Um, And I saw zero difference in my teeth. So there's that. That is hilarious. One, I did not even know. I have the same one as you. I did not even know it's coconut flavor. It does not even it's taste coconut flavor flavored. to me. It doesn't. I don't even First, get it. I think flavor. the acid, like the acidity of it, is what made it was giving lemon. And I was, I mean, I don't. It wasn't lemon lemon, but I think that's what it was. Is like the acidity. So interesting. It was definitely and, okay. not giving coconut. <laughs> you and you right didn't now. think they whitened your teeth? Mm-hmm. I do use professional whitening occasionally. It's pretty rare, though. I hate doing the trays and everything, but I noticed zero difference. What did you think? 
Okay. So I was going to say, I do feel like my teeth are a little bit wider. I did it. I've done it four times now. I wish I would have taken it before and after. We should have been more scientific about this. I did Um, not take it before and after, but I feel like I was really paying attention. Like I looked at my teeth before I did (laughs) it and was like, okay. I was very big at the way. (laughs) (laughs) I was smiling very big and my teeth could have been wider. No, my problem with it, I had two main problems with it. Because I was going to say, I feel like if you want to, I feel like it did its job. I do feel like my teeth are a little bit wider. But my issues with it are one, I don't know if I have really tall bottom teeth or what, but like the strips didn't, they didn't stay on my teeth. Like they didn't bend over well. They kept popping up. Like I don't feel like they stayed on my teeth good. And I don't know if that's my own anatomy. Like this is a Natalie problem or if this is a Luminex problem. No, I do not think they stayed on the teeth. I feel like I had to stick, like I had to get them just so and then clinch like the whole time, like keep my teeth closed yes. and stay. And I remember Annalise being like, what's wrong with you? And I was like, I can't talk right now. And she was like, something's oh wrong with mom. But I was like, if I move at all, they just like come off. Like they don't stay. Okay, so we agree they have a problem with manufacturing the size. Of the so strips. it's not just needs, your tall teeth. No, over needs there. to be needs to be revisited. The second problem I had with them when you took them off, do you feel like there was the largest amount of gel still on your teeth? Oh, so bad. I feel like I had to like I don't do like a deep it was clean insane. of my teeth. It was the whole one hundred percent my favorite. Yeah, not at all. So it was not worth it. Like what was left over, I so bizarre. I couldn't, I can't, I'm going to finish out my strips because I do think they're making my teeth wider and I'm not about to waste them, but I do not think they're Uh, worth the hype. I ordered them on sale, but normally they're $23 a box. Not. I'll bring you my extra if you want to continue (gasps) using them. I'm yeah, we'll see each other in Denver next week. I'll bring them to you. Cause I, I saw them sitting on my kit, my bathroom counter still today and was like, I just don't think I can do it. Oh, listen, I can power through anything. So I will for sure bring them to me. I will use them, but I will not be ordering them again. Okay. Enough on the white strips. This next one is a big one. It is part two of our uh, question from you guys about grass fed versus grain fed. (laughs) We need to dive right in. This episode in a very very (laughs) random order. I know. There is not a lot of rhyme or reason to it today. Sorry, you guys. Hang on. I said at the very beginning, I said, get ready. Yes. (laughs) Like I gave warning. So to recap, last week we're starting a new segment where you guys send in questions. Last week we introduced it as like consumer questions, and I that just hasn't been feeling right to Tara and I because I feel like it pigeonholes us. I don't we don't like the title. I sometimes I don't even like the word consumer because we are also Me consumers. Yeah. So we're 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 you guys we're redoing this whole segment. We want it to be almost like a Q and A where you ask us anything. We'll work our way through this. But going back to last week, when we asked you guys, you know, what questions do you have for us? A resounding one was about grass-fed beef. Tara brought in grass-fed milk. I'm just joking. <laughs> they were asking. I'm about like, the milk that's a real too. thing. That's like, a, but I will say this week I'm focusing on beef. So okay. just. So we felt like it was a very large topic, and actually the questions that came in were wide scope across it, but it was a general sense of basically, should we be spending money on grass-fed beef or milk? Like, is it worth it? Is it healthier for us? can you guys give us the rundown on, you know, this grass fed versus not? And so last week we talked just about the diet portion of it, just about the nutrient portion of it. And the recap was essentially that, yes, there's a difference between grass fed beef and conventional beef and grass fed milk and conventional milk from a dietary standpoint. There are certain vitamins in it, certain things. There's actually a list. There's 10 for beef. I think there was way less for milk, but there were 10 differences for beef, less for milk. But yes, there's a nutritional difference if you're looking solely at the numbers, if you take it a nuanced level, a lower level, you have to assess 
is the number statistically different? Does the number matter? Like, yes, maybe grass-fed beef is higher in vitamin B than non-grass-fed beef. I can't remember if that's actually on the list. But am I already sufficient in vitamin E and does it matter? Like, you have to ask yourself those questions instead of just looking at the numbers. So our, how would you recap our summary from last week of what you would say in your words? There is a slight difference in nutritional components, but it is not significant. Uh, both like the things that are different, omega-3s is what everyone says is like the number one thing about why you should do grass-fed beef and milk, but grass-fed beef and grass-fed milk are not good sources of omega-3s. So you're still not, you're not going to get even close to your omega-3 like daily value intake by having milk and dairy or sorry, meat and dairy. So not, I mean, personal preference, but it's not necessarily worth it. And listen, we said this last week, we'll say it again. We are not here to say one is better than the other. I actually have a reel I want to release that says something along the lines of as an industry, we're not big enough to be either or like agriculture cannot (laughs) be either or one is the better only one versus the other. We're not big enough to, we need to be in support of all of it. So grass-fed beef caters to the grass-fed industry, non-conventional conveyors to the non-conventional. It's just really important that grass-fed doesn't degrade conventional and in the process of doing that and conventional doesn't turn their noses up to people who want to do grass-fed because there is room for whole and we should support both. Sorry. On that note, it's okay. On that note, now we're transitioning from the nutrition side to the environmental side. And I, um, I want to give like a little bit of background if they are most beef cows are raised on pasture and then they are finished at a feedlot. Uh, so that's like, I guess what would be conventional. Most conventional are raised on pasture. Like Natalie's, your family farm is like an exact, exact example of this and then finished at a feedlot. Other people, if it says grass fed and finished, it is on grass its entire life. So that's like the differences we're talking about here. Not on grass, fed grass. Thank you. It does not mean pasture raised. Thank you for that clarification. Cause I actually had a few comments about that on our reel. Um, okay. So this might, sorry. I think that is kind of having this conversation again, stepping back out to like larger breaststrokes. I do think people, the problem is people take the label grass fed and turn it into a nutritional claim into a animal husbandry claim. They turn it into a lot of different claims. Um, and it's not, it is simply a, I don't know, what do you call it? A, what the cow inspector claim. Yeah. Thank you. It's a farming practice. (laughs) Much better than what I said. It is a farming (laughs) practice. And that's what you have to understand. It's, it just explains what the cow ate. It does not explain how healthy they, the cows are. It does not explain. So I actually have a really great, go on. Go ahead. Um, so this is my big takeaway from it. If you are looking at carbon, like greenhouse gas emissions, carbon footprint, the carbon footprint of a cow raised, uh, conventionally, so where they are raised on pasture and finished in a feedlot has a lower carbon footprint than a fully grass-fed beef cow, um, which I think is probably going to surprise people like that that's the case. But there are numerous studies that show that. And the reason is, is because the feed that the cattle, the traditional like grain-fed cattle get, it helps them finish faster. They grow larger, they're done earlier, and they have a better, like a higher feed efficiency. They're converting feed into nutrients for themselves faster than if they were on grass. That's why grass-fed has a larger carbon footprint. But I do love this quote that says, where is it? Um, 
there's more to consider basically than just that. And I, I think that's something actually you and I talk a lot about is that like it grass finished has, while it has a higher carbon footprint, it does have some sustainability advantages. It's not just about the carbon footprint. It's about soil health. It's about, you know, um, biodiversity out on grasslands, like all these other things, these marginal lands that can't be used for anything else besides grazing cattle. So I think this goes exactly to that point. It's not an either or, or one is better than the other. They both have what they're good at. Yes. So this is a very nuanced conversation because mm-hmm. like you said, there are pros and cons to conventional raised in a feedlot pros and cons. There's also pros and cons to grass, you know, what people ide- ideally think of what grass fed cattle means, which is an animal who's out grazing on grass the entire time. Another thing you had mentioned that the feedlot cattle have a lower carbon footprint, um, so because they can feed faster, they're younger animals. So grass-fed animals are harvested longer. So that plays a role as well. And then Frank Mitloner, our um, poor hit hit attack. <laughs> what do you call him? A hit piece? Yeah, no, a hit piece. Yes. <laughs> he talks about how feedlot belch less than grass-fed as well. Um, and that's so they the actually, feed efficiency. Mm-hmm, they actually – which. I, there, so there's going to be a methane, dif- methane difference, which uh, I don't think people, most people are aware of as well. Um, but yeah, I think it comes down to a personal preference, right? If you do not like the idea of cattle being in a feedlot, it's important to you that the beef you're consuming, that's not a role, then great. Grass-fed beef is probably going to be for you. If that doesn't matter to you, then conventional cattle is probably going to be okay to you. Like it really, I feel like it really comes down to personal, personal preference because there are, there's just a laundry list on both sides of like pros and cons to, to each choice. So I think this is going to rock some people's world. Um, so get ready for it. 75 to 80% of all grass fed beef in the United States is imported from Australia. So if you are buying grass-fed because you a think it's local, better for the environment, something like that, you are, Sorry, mistaken. If you want to buy grass-fed beef that is from the United States, I highly recommend finding a farmer or rancher to buy direct from to consumer the farm. Yeah, direct to consumer mm-hmm. because most of it's imported. And I have this quote from Allison Van Edenham. I always don't know how to say her name, but I love her. She's an amazing like uh, animal genomics and biotechnology at the University of California, Davis. She said grass-fed makes more sense in countries like Australia where it has a temperate climate and they don't have a corn belt. But in the United States, which has a corn belt and has really cold winters, she thinks grain finishing is the more efficient way to produce beef. Um, and it's, and that's why so much of our grass-fed is imported from Australia because they have a perfect climate for having grass-fed cattle there. So I just I think people buy grass-fed thinking it's local and that's not actually the case the majority of the time. This is a slight tangent, but I feel like I have to add it in there. And this is probably, that's probably why, but butcher boxes recently become kind of like, I don't know, getting a lot of heat because they are import. They're getting called out for importing. They work with primarily Australian, New Zealand. I can't remember the laundry list. I'm going to stop there. So I don't say the wrong states or countries, but it is not us cattle, um, yeah. And they're getting called out by a lot of producers for that. But that's probably why, because they market heavily grass fed and they, like you just mentioned, that's not a huge market in the U.S. There are, there are great ones. I have a ton of friends who actually sell on social media. So if you guys Same. want a list, please hit us up. 
we'll create it. Maybe we'll create something on the Discover Act page, actually. The the last thing I have to say about this, too, is just because a product says product of the U.S. does not mean it was raised here. I know this is like a whole nother topic yeah, do of not conversation. Get in. Oh, my gosh. Don't. I'm not going to. I'm not going to get into it. All I'm going to say is if you're at the grocery store and you buy something that says grass-fed United States, it actually could be raised in Australia and then processed in the United States. And since it was processed here, it gets a U.S like stamp on it. So yeah. just something to keep in mind, just because you see that at the grocery store, it may not mean what you think it means. So mm-hmm. I think it. moral of the story is if you really want to, if you care, tr- if the reason you're buying grass fed beef is because the idea of knowing your farmer, like if you, somehow you associate that with knowing a farmer and rancher or being better for the environment or being healthier for you, the best thing to do is try and find a farmer or rancher in your area and buy from them, whether that's grass fed or conventional. Cause you're going to have, you're going to know how the animal is cared for. You're going to know who raised it. You're going to know the conditions it was, you're going to know all those things you want that the idea of the labels in the grocery store just really do not tell you. Agreed. Okay. We still want to do our, we want to end on a lighter note with our last three tabs open. I think so. All right. You go first. Okay. (laughs) My last three tabs are that I'm, I searched on Google or opened up in my tabs, uh, food versus fuel. So I actually listened. I just sent this to Tara too. I listened to a really great podcast on biodiesel. Um, what do you call it? Renewable diesel. I think I'm actually going to share a little bit on the Discover page for you guys because I didn't know much about it and I learned a lot. Um, A Sherpa vest (laughs) from Free People that I really want as well as other alternatives because I don't know if I want to pay the price tag at Free People, but I really want a Sherpa vest. They're very cute. I saw one on, oh, Morgan Stewart was wearing one in stories the other day and I was like, I have to have one. Very cute. And then I actually have my blog page, uh, Women's Wrangler Jeans, my favorite pair pulled up because I got a DM on that asking about what pair of Wranglers I wear, men's. I've worn men's Wranglers forever, and I get asked that quite a bit because in reels I'll wear them. And so I had to just send that link in DM. So that was my third one pulled up. Okay, so mine are – um, the green room, which is, uh, I'm going, Daniel and I, and the girls are going on a vacation in a couple of weeks to Toto Santos, which is like, you, you've been there, haven't you? Did you tell uh-huh. me you've been there? Mm-hmm. Um, it's like an hour and a half North of Cabo in Mexico. And the green room is like a really good restaurant. And I have it pulled up cause I need to make reservations at it. And I just keep forgetting. So I've literally, that tab has been up for like two weeks. So, um, I'll let you guys know how it is. Uh, what are pumpkins? Yeah, because we're all going to Toto Santos yeah. next week as well, Tara. So that would actually be very <laughs> helpful know. if you could please update us. Thank you. <laughs> I will. Thanks. I'm glad. Um, what are pumpkins? The history of pumpkins. Super interesting how they, um, what is the different the origins of them. I, you know, just like, you know, obviously indigenous people to the Americas had them and then were, how they've. Were the girls asking this into- or were, were you asking this? I was asking this. It was a, um, someone, one of the scientists I follow on Facebook, he was sharing about it and I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. It was not as interesting as it looked in his, uh, recap on Facebook. So that was kind of a bummer. And then my last one is a morning meditation. So you and I have been kind of on like a health kick, like a get our day started right. And so I did 48 hours, baby. We're 48 hours in on our health kick. We're feeling the effects. (laughs) We're going to be healthy. <laughs> we both were – actually, Luke's been meditating with me. So I, it's going to be – Yeah, a Daniel has a lot 
of questions about that. I told Daniel that Luke was meditating with you and he was things that I can't say on the podcast, but he, don't worry, he'll add it to the group chat. So So I feel like meditation Uh, is going to stick for me, but I just, the more and more, this is how it came up. The more and more we listen to very successful people, I feel like meditation plays a role. Every single one of them somehow alludes to the idea of mindset practice meditation. So we're trying to implement it. Yeah. And this comes out after our November book club announcement, right? Yeah. The gap and the gain. They have a morning and night routine. And that's personally what, since reading that book for book club, I am adopting that routine. That's what my goal is to do. So if you um, are part of our book club, I highly recommend the book. And I um, would love to know if anyone else is going to try that routine. All right. That's it. We finished under 45 minutes. (laughs) I didn't know we were trying to keep it under 40. I didn't know that was our goal, but we did it. No, I didn't have that as a goal, but since we're here, might as well celebrate it. (laughs) If we had been 50 minutes, I would have celebrated that. Okay. Anyway, well, thanks for joining us this week. And next week we'll be traveling to Denver uh, for the Global Roundtable for Sustainable Beef. So we will be bringing you guys podcasts about that. So see you guys next week.